This podcast is dedicated to the proposition that every Christian should be a constant and devoted reader of the Bible, and that the primary business of the church and its ministry is to lead, foster, and encourage people in this life-changing habit. Okay, here we are for week number two of our study of Acts. We have with us uh, Lenny, Ben, uh, Mike, Dave, and myself. Johnny is unable to be with us today, so we're gonna we're gonna jump in again. Week two, I believe this is, if my memory serves me, episode one hundred and four. I'm gonna sure, guess something like that. Something like that. Are we so, track of hey, well, I, I'm I'm gonna do it as long as I can, uh, as long as my memory will uh, will work, unless we start like actually writing it down, and that's that's the way to actually do it. But should have a little whiteboard. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or yeah, just put out, like a line. Of, so uh, little tally. This is where we are in the book. This is what we're studying. Yeah, maybe maybe notes would be nice. Actually. Um, <laughs> so uh, they actually do this like a real podcast instead of just rambling. Well, we'll paint a chalkboard. Yeah, up yeah. there. <laughs> so, so yeah. Anyhow, uh, we're week number two in Acts, and uh, I think before we jump in too much, I know Mike had some questions last week about Theophilus, uh, and and we we did kind of go over this at the beginning of Luke, but that was. Gosh, forty some uh, forty four episodes ago, so uh, so I think it, it 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 behooves us to at least do a small uh, discussion about uh, kind of the purpose of the book, who wrote the book, who it was written to, and why it perhaps was written. So that being said, I'll open it up for discussion. So if we go back to Luke and the first chapter and you know, the first verse. He's talking to Theophilus, same thing as he is here in Acts. And this is for all of us, but Mike had asked a question, and I did dwell on that because we want to make sure we answer each other's questions. And so I had posited that Theophilus, because of a one key word here, he calls him excellent Theophilus in my book. It could be different in yours. Uh, and excellent is a title that was used for a certain level of aristocracy in, in, in Roman times, and that aristocracy would have been the equestrian class. So when he says most... No, no equestrian, does that mean that they're in the horses? <laughs> well, I, yeah, something like that, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, there, there were different classes, your nobles and your equestrians, and yeah. So he was, uh, he was called most excellent in Luke, and so that might indicate that he was a member, and again, nothing is for sure, member of the equestrian class, which is an aristocratic class. But also, and, and I'll, I'll open it up, you know, let everybody else have their opinion. It could also be that Luke is writing, and, and again, Christianity was just starting out, just budding, and you know, again, Romans didn't like anything that might have countermanded, counteracted their rule, their emperor who they considered God. So this could just have been a name, maybe a, 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 a pseudonym, a fake name, so to speak, for a lover of God, which is what Theophilus means. Pretty simple, Theo meaning God, and Philene or Philo meaning love. So a God lover is what Theophilus means. So this could have been to a lot of people, but a generic name instead of a specific name. So I thought about this. Speaking yeah, to, to all that love God. To everybody all that loves God, exactly, God, Mike. It could have been that. Um, it, it, as I said, it, you know, the first thing, it could have been a high government official, but 
It could have also been just to everybody. And also, here's one, and I want you guys to dwell on this for a minute. We don't want to stay too much on Theopolis, but it could have been Luke's patron. I did a little research, and I don't know if anybody knows this, but Luke, we know Luke was a doctor, a physician. There, there's, there's plenty of evidence of that in the way he writes, the words he uses. What I didn't know, and I read this over the last week, is that physicians were slaves. Okay? So I read, I'm reading this, and it goes, it goes on. It says, okay, maybe Theophilus, uh, Luke, uh, that was his patron, so that maybe Theophilus was sick. This is just positive. It's like Judah sometimes you know, yeah. creates these. So, so maybe Theophilus was sick and ill, and Luke healed him, and... Theophilus gave him his freedom. Mm. Mm. And then he wrote this to him in, as a way of thanks. Possibility. You know, it's, it's out there. It's more romantic. But anyway, I would go with one of the first two. But that's a possibility that I had never explored because I didn't know up until the past two weeks. I'm reading, reading a little bit more depth. And I'm going, oh, I didn't know that physicians were slaves also. Mm. Eh. Now, why, why were they slaves? That I don't know yet. I'm doing. I'm still doing research on it. And when I get it, I'll give you the answer. Yeah, yeah. I had neither, so I, I said, okay, I got to explore this further. But then I wanted to read more into Acts, so I let that how, go. How, how much schooling was was involved to become a doctor back then? And I and I and I don't know that. I don't it was, see many slave owners saying, "I'm going to send you to medical school." <laughs> no, no, that's true. Well, I, I mean, I, I think the the ideology or the idea of it, if if I mean, again, I'm just going to make some conjecture here is that you know somebody who is very wealthy or government officials or whatever could theoretically have slaves that are physicians because it's like they want to take care of themselves mm -hmm. you know just like you would have a personal trainer or a personal chef you have someone who's the, physician. Yeah, yeah personal physician who is there to take care of the health and well-being of the family well also back then like slavery was more of a servant servanthood where uh you would borrow money so maybe they borrowed maybe he would borrow money to go to medical school yeah and then he would be a slave in the way of paying off said debt that that's possibility yeah. but in contrary to what you're saying just think of this these servants back then are slaves i call them servants but slaves they were in ser you know servanthood they some of the the aristocracy maybe this theophilus they were they loved their slaves so much so that some of them had relationship with them they were very close to them think of the centurion that came to jesus he, he he you know he's a roman who believes that the emperor is god but he came to jesus humble and then said don't come to my house because of why did he do that because of his servant it was a favored servant and they took care of their servants that i do know from reading the history of the romans they some of their servants were like a family even though they weren't freed freedmen mm -hmm. they were so it, it could have been he was just his patron bent and he did contrary to what you said pay for him to go to school yeah possibly mm -hmm. all right just a thought, based on the history. I uh, hope that gives you a few things anyway about the Apples. <laughs> yeah. So, in other words, we don't really know. <laughs> there's, there's no sure. There's no sure answer in there. We have some, as Judah said, conjecture. There are. Some, there is some people who. There's like a movement online now to, to replace slave with servant throughout the Bible, which because it is it's a little confusing when you hear like you know the modern day 
version of like slave is like you were born into it you have absolutely no rights you are not even a human and you do whatever that your owner tells you to do where this slave is literally like indentured servitude well I, I mean, you i owe you money and i'm going to work it off sometimes it is actual full slavery where right. from birth but a lot of times that we're talking there's a, there's different slaves in the bible and there's no yeah well I, I don't think you can just universally say servant because i mean you couldn't say that uh that the israelites were were in servanthood to Egypt for 400 years. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, sometimes I mean, sometimes so, it actually is slavery. So, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, there, yeah, there was legitimate slavery. And I will say I'm not much for revisionist history. No. Certainly not much for revision, revisionist Bible. Well, for, I'm just saying it gets a little, it's a little, it can be a little confusing if you don't read the content. Uh, and no, I understand exactly and, and, and what you're saying. Who, like, th this is why like, people who will jump off the handle when they read a Bible verse, they don't read around it. And they just like, oh, it's got the word slave in it. So that means da 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 da. And it's like, yeah. Again, can, can, can context is so critical mm. in, in everything, and especially the Bible, the context. Where was this written? Why was it written? When was it written? What was the culture of the times? Mm. It's the same thing with our society now trying to cancel this or cancel that. You know, Columbus is a bad person because he was a slave owner. No, that, that was a different time. And, and you have to read the Bible like anything else contextually. And I'm not I'm not a revisionist. Yeah, I mean the the reality of it is 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 there slavery in the Bible? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you read the book of uh, Philemon, right? The whole purpose of the book of Philemon is Paul writing to Philemon about his servant Onesimus right. and basically uh, telling because Onesimus ran away from Philemon, but he came and he helped out Paul, and so Paul is like basically like you know um, take it easy on him. And, uh, but what right do I have to tell you? But you know what? You do owe me your very soul. <laughs> you know, so. But he doesn't, but he doesn't tell him not to keep the slave. Right. He says, take, he, he's basically saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, that take him back right. and, and don't punish him basically mm. is, is the gist of it. Don't punish him, right. you know, in, in tribute to me for what you might owe me, but not anything against slavery because that was the norm of the time. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was socially acceptable, yeah. but, but in that. But I'll, I'll go on further to say that a very strong case could be made that every um, abolitionist was inspired by Scripture to free slaves. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like when you look, William Wilberforce and, you know, all of these people, I mean, it's like they were inspired by Scripture to do these things, you know, John Newton and like all these people, it's like it all came back to, you know, uh, uh, of course, Harriet Beecher Stowe uh, writing Uncle Tom's Cabin and Abraham Lincoln and all these people. It's like so although you do see slavery in there, it's it's shall I say tolerated, but not necessarily condoned, you know, and and, and, it, and within that it's, it's the, the instruction is, hey, if you're a slave owner, treat your slaves, your servants with respect. And right. if you're a servant or a slave, then you need to be respectful and this, but, but, um, but yeah, th there's a lot of weird things, especially even you go into the Jewish tradition and a lot of it like was with the year of Jubilee and all these things, like you could sell yourself into that slavery, that servanthood, you know, for, for, uh, for a variety of reasons, pr primarily financial, you know, um, you would, uh, need, need money for whatever reason in your own life and say, okay, well, I'm going to, instead of having a, an employment contract, you're selling yourself into slavery 
essentially to someone. Yeah, and that's so. a good point, Judah. And not that we want to get too deep yeah. into that, but yeah, that was there, there was, and I forgot about that. There was voluntary servitude, yeah. Yeah. you know, for whatever reasons, as you said. Yeah, and and, people and, need to keep that in mind. In fact, in fact, there was there was like a almost like a a, a time period that they would go through, like you'd sell yourself for a certain amount of years. And then after that, there was an option that's written in scripture that if you decided that, you know what, my life is better off here as a servant than it was on my own, that you can now become like, it was like an indentured servant and they would take it all and give you an ear piercing, basically, that would then signify that you are now property of this, you know, this person. And, And when you think about it, the reality of it is, I mean, if you're just off on your own, trying to live life. I mean, just like right now, right? I mean, we, you know, there's people that are living in every, every walk of life, but if you happen to find say a, a plantation owner who owns, you know, vast crops and all this stuff and they're, they have money and they have wealth and they're taking care of everybody and all this stuff. You're like, well, you know, I could stay here and live a reasonably comfortable life. Yeah. I got to work, but you know what? I'd have to work out there too. And out there, if a drought hits and my crops, you know, die, then then I'm screwed. But here, this guy, yeah, but he's got more than enough. I mean, we're always taken care of. Mm-hmm. So you know, it it's in my best interest, my family's best interest to, you know, to just stick on here. And so a lot of times they would do that if their masters were good. And and again, in, in the Hebrew culture, they they were um, they were all very respectful um, for the most part. I mean, I'm sure, there's always outliers, but. There's a there's a character in the the show Yellowstone that's got literally like that whole thing of like he just started working on the ranch because he's like where else am I gonna go? Yeah, I got nothing else going on. You know, it's like and that's just what got me thinking about yeah. it. It's like you're walking along. It's like, well, y- hey guys, you guys are working. Uh, do you think they need an extra person? <laughs> <laughs> and even in the ranch lifestyle, I mean, cowboys, a lot of those things. I mean, it's a lot of them were getting paid in food and provisions and a lot of things like that. So, but anyhow, that being said, let's continue on with, uh, with our discussion of, uh, of acts here. So any other thoughts, observations, comments, questions, as you've been reading through, they're replacing Judas and they have a whole thing about that. Uh, chapter one, chapter one, verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of a half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they have been staying. Here are the names of the people who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus? Alphaeus. Alphaeus, thank you. Simon the Zealot and Judas, son of James. They all met together, were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. So basically, they're getting together and they're going to talk about how they need to replace Judas. Right. And there's rules that they have to follow where somebody who has to have been with Jesus the entire time. Yeah. And they end up picking uh, Matthias. Yeah. Well, they, right, verse 21 is what you're referring right. to. Yeah, 21 and 22. So we must choose a replacement for Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time traveling with the Lord Jesus from the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us. Whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus's resurve- resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, yeah. also known as Justice and Matthias. Then they all prayed, O Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry. 
for he has deserted us and gone where he has, well, and gone where he belongs. Well, that, first of all, that shows that there's some spite towards towards Judas. Then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become the apostle, the apostle with the other eleven. This is—is is this the first mention of Matthias? Yeah, um, it's it's the first and last, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, this is like in a TV show when like you know one of the major cast members leaves, and they bring somebody else in, and they're like, "Oh, here's like cousin Johnny or something," and it's like never seen them before. <laughs> well, it, it is interesting. I mean, obviously, we know that that um, that when Jesus sent his disciples on their first missionary trip, uh, contrary to even what the chosen shows. Uh, there was 70 disciples that he sent on the mission strip, right? So that's 35 yeah. uh, groups of two. He sent them out two by two. Uh, so it, it is interesting that both of these gentlemen, Joseph and Matthias, both had been with Jesus because they filled that qualification um, from the time he was baptized until the day he was taken away from us. Yeah. So that's like the entire span there, mm -hmm. from the baptism to the ascension. Yeah. These two dudes were there. How many other people were there? Probably mm -hmm. a lot, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. these two now finally get their one singular mention in the scripture. <laughs> so, and one of them gets uh, bumped up to. Yeah, a couple other observations here is that um, this is, as far as I'm aware, the first and last time in the New Testament that they use casting of lots, um, which was you know essentially like kind of like throwing dice or you know I mean th there's a variety of ways that you'd cast lots. Um, Shortest yeah. straw, stuff shortest like straw, throwing, throwing, you know, uh, rocks towards a wall, whichever one's closest. There's like a lot of different ways that they would, you know. Uh, well, well, no, they, they, the, the Roman guards did it at the foot of the cross. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're right. But, but as far as Jews trying to follow Jesus and determine God, God's will, because you saw this in the Old Testament a lot, people would use that for determining God's will. And here they're using it to determine God's will. You don't see it again after because um, this is uh, r before they get the Holy Spirit, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And then there's really no need for that um, anymore. Um, but it, but it's kind of like a very physical, almost, you know, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a weird way to interpret God's will. And so many people speculate, not many, I don't know how many, a few people have speculated that this was actually not in God's will for them to do this. Um that, that they should not have tried to replace uh, Judas and done it by casting of lots, but they should have waited for Pentecost, for the Holy Spirit, because God in his divine uh, wisdom had another had a 12th apostle already pre-selected. And that apostle would have been who? Paul, mm. right? So he has Paul already pre-selected mm. that would have mm. then filled in the, the role of that 12th apostle, but... Matthias comes on the scene, they select Matthias, but again, you never hear anything about him, and the whole story turns over to Paul. Oh, man. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's just yeah. speculation. That's it's just speculation, but... I mean, man. It's yeah. actually, like, the way we have the split up where we're doing one through seven, um, when you get over to eight, it goes starts right into talking about Paul, too. So, like, we're, like, right now in the pre-Paul right. yeah. Yeah. section and I, of that. Yeah, an observation, a couple observations, too, that I have on this section that you just read, Ben is starting again in 14 it says they all you read this they all met together and what stuck out to me were constantly united in prayer mm. verse 24 then they all prayed we get the theme of prayer over and over again 
and, and if people aren't understanding that, and, and you mentioned it before, praying helped in the situation we were discussing before. Prayer is so important, and that's all they did was pray when it was time to pray. And, of course, Jesus uh, set an example when it was time to take uh, a break. He went aside and prayed. He went here and prayed, went to the Mount of Olives and prayed. So that's that's one thing I observe a lot is, is they were united in prayer. They all prayed. So they're all praying together. It's important for us or for anybody to pray together. It works, as, as you said, you know, with Lenny's mom or with anybody, prayer, I, I believe it 100 percent, no doubt in my mind that prayer works. I, I engage that all the time uh, when there's something going on. And I try to do it before it happens as we talked about i think lenny and i talked about that many times before and we've talked about it here before we get in trouble before some pray to god before not when you're in the middle of you know uh, sinking or something but another what an interesting way of relaxing i always thought the best way to relax is to watch something on tv that i'm going to get upset about <laughs> that's why i don't watch tv we didn't have a tv in ireland so i didn't watch tv for nine weeks but i haven't been watching it for a couple of years well, anyway. you, you had the news going on down the road so. oh yeah the news is right there the, another observation and i had mentioned this uh, last week when i when i taught when i started on verse 14 but uh, in chapter two but just just in chapter one you see uh, verse 15 there, uh, during this time when about 120 believers were together, uh, Peter stood up and addressed them. Here's Peter out of nowhere starting to take charge. It's like you know, Jesus said, I'm going to make you my rock, even though you're, you're going to fail me a few times. Uh, and Peter made mistakes. He was bold. He was brash, as we know the kind of personality that he was. But here he is taking the lead. And then shortly here, hereafter, uh, in, in chapter 2, verse 14, he will preach to the crowd. I love we'll, this. We'll, You're coming up with my, my favorite line so far. Okay. And uh, I'm reading your mind, Ben, or I'm reading your, your book there? <laughs> I, I'm 15. Okay. All right. So Peter stood up and he addressed them. Here he is talking. He's taking charge. He's leading. So that's another observation is Peter. Uh, how would we say it today? Coming into his own, if you will, a, a, as a leader. Uh, excuse me. And then going back to what uh, Ben had read and what we just talked about, uh, about selecting. I don't know. I'm thinking it was scripted this way. But again, that's conjecture uh, that, you know, it, you know, this is the way it was meant to be, that they were supposed to choose, choose Matthias. Either way. If you read the backside of verse 22, it says, whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus's resurrection. And Ben read that. And I, I thought to myself, hmm. And even before that, in 21, what Ben read, I had had this highlighted. We'll choose a replacement from among those who are with us the entire time. And as Judah pointed out, you know, that would have been a long time, you know, from birth to uh, to 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 his death. OK, so two functions or two requirements of, of an apostle, uh, of a follower, uh, one that, you know, you have to be with Jesus. Uh, and, and I started asking myself, uh, am I with Jesus? And we should ask ourselves, are we with Jesus? Because in order to be apostle, in order to be disciple, as, as they said, now we've got to choose from somebody that's been traveling with the Lord Jesus. And that doesn't necessarily mean physically. That those so, so these rules that they're using, though, these are, he, he's pulling in from Psalms, right? Isn't him just no, like, no, no, not, oh. not here, Ben. No, okay. no, not necessarily. I thought that these rules yeah. are being pulled from no. scripture. So like, oh, so he's using yeah. scripture. They 
they to wanted to choose somebody okay. that, it, to me, so I'm, I'm gathering what Peter is talking about, and I'm saying, okay, you have to be traveling with Jesus. And that doesn't need to be physically, although we're with Jesus, we can, Jesus is with us all the time. Mm. The, the reverse question, are we with Jesus all the time? And so we need to, in order to be followers, we need to do that. The second function is a witness to Jesus' resurrection. Again, not when it actually happened, but a witness to it, meaning do we believe in that? Because if we don't, then we're not Christians. If we don't, then Christianity falls apart for us because for me, and I would imagine for all of you, the resurrection is the central tenet of all Christianity. Without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. It would not have gone on, would not have happened. So we have to be witnesses. That's a function, a primary function of being a disciple, an apostle, is to be witness to the resurrection. Are we a witness to that? Do we tell people, yeah, we believe in the resurrection. And when we're going out witnessing and, and talking about Jesus, are we talking about, yes, we believe that he rose from the dead. Because when we profess our faith, we have to believe that. We have to believe, Lord, I'm sorry for all my sins. I believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And Johnny always says that there, you know, perfectly. I'm just paraphrasing it. And I believe that he rose from the dead and that he did. He died for us on the cross and then rose again to save us, to give us salvation. What an awesome moment to see a Christ follower be aware of Jesus's presence. That's something that I try to apply to my daily prayer life is like, God, help me be aware of your presence in this situation because this is really difficult. I need you right now. And, and in this moment, what blows my mind is the fact that everybody was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then the disciples were speaking in their language. And so imagine being a bystander like Peter, seeing everything happen. He saw it as an ample opportunity to talk to these people because they had questions. They're like, what is going on? And then 3,000 people come to it. So you're telling me a person who denied Jesus three times didn't want to be singled out in the crowd to be knowing that person now is like the person talking amongst the whole entire crowd. Mm. Like talk about a change of heart. Yeah, you're talking about Jesus and lately, and I know it's a lot to do with you know, having to focus on the Bible, which I do a lot more now in detail, and then coming here and and uh, talking with all of you, I feel you know feel a lot better about knowing that Jesus is with me. I think Judah, you always used to say that you know you didn't like when you know people would start to pray and say, "Hey, Jesus, come down with us," because He's already here. You would say you've said that in the past a number right. of times, and I started to realize that and think that way. Not, you know, pretty recently to say, okay, you know, Jesus is with me. As I'm reading the Bible, as I'm doing everything, I, I really feel better about that now. I, and, I, and just what you're saying, Lenny, about yourself, he's always with us. It's not like we got to invite him in. He's, he's here. It's just he's waiting for us. Yeah. So you're saying if we don't, even if we don't have a full band and moving lights... God still <laughs> arrives. He's still there. Yeah. He was yeah. there before you got there. <laughs> there you well, go. Well, look at this. And, and, and verse 5, I'll answer that a little bit more. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem, right? So, like, people, think about people who gather at our church. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were, like, bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. And that's what Jesus does. He radically steps into your life and just like brings so much clarity if you allow him in. And so they witnessed something happening, they came and then Peter spoke. Yeah. Like that's like such a, 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 I guess, such a significance 
uh, of the Holy Spirit, like with the first, I guess, uh, uh, way of changing people's hearts. Because they went from 120 people being filled to the Holy Spirit with the Holy Spirit to 3,000 people. Like, that's a huge jump. <laughs> I keep going backwards here. Um, but the uh, but the ascension of Jesus, yeah. they're saying um, he will be coming back the same way that he left. Um, so when he comes back, that will be on the Mount of Olives. Am I... Am I understanding that correctly? I mean, it, it, it could be, but I, I don't necessarily see it that way. I, I think that it means he'll come back in his physical body. Okay. That, that, that the same way that they saw him, you know, his physical presence. I, I know, Judah? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, come back in the physical presence, yes. Also, we see in Revelation where he, where he comes, he descends. Uh, he's riding on a horse, and he's got... Uh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, like tattooed on his thigh or something like that, and he comes with uh, you know a flaming sword and all this stuff, and so he's coming to now um, uh, be back with us again. So I, I, I kind of look at it as not necessarily location-wise that he's coming specifically to the Mount of Olives, but that he's going to be now he's ascending now he'll, then he'll be descending, and again there's a lot of speculation and a lot of ideas on I mean we can get into to biblical prophecy and the interpretation thereof and and my my bottom line with that is like, we don't know, like, we don't know what it means exactly. I mean, because we're just all kind of looking at it, like saying, well, this is what it could mean. This is what it could mean. And I feel like anytime we, we dogmatically start saying this is what it means, then then we've probably missed it. So mm. so I, I hold these things very open handed because it's like, I don't really know. So I'd rather like look at a variety of things rather than only look at one thing and then be blindsided when something else shows up, if that makes sense. So, um, you know, because, I mean, again, when you get into, like, for example, the rapture and the all these things and the pre-tribulation, the seven years, this and the thousand year millennial reign and all these different things. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's like there's a lot of stuff in there. You read in, uh, like I said, Revelation and Daniel and Ezekiel and Thessalonians and all biblical prophecy, and a lot of it does line up together. Like, it, it, it matches each other, but it's hard to determine what exactly it all means. So the way I look at it is that, you know, he's he's descending in a physical body. He's coming down. He's coming to collect his faithful, his followers, us. That's the second coming. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know yeah, again, more. sorry for going back. No, no, it's no. Just, I, uh, you know, I'm all for it, it's, it's a question that was just No, ask, ask any past. question. Yeah, we, we need to address everything. Because there's people that would listen to us, uh, whether we go out and witness one-on-one -on -one or whether they listen to this podcast that have the same questions. Yeah, because I don't fully know, just like how you guys answered, I mean, it helps me, like, work towards staying ready. Yeah. Right? Because if I knew then I'd probably mess it up, <laughs> you know? Like, that's just, like, my, my, my human nature inside of me, right? So uh, not knowing helps me just kind of, like, just stay in constant communion with him. Yeah, you know, th there's nothing wrong with a little bit of uncertainty about some things. You know, so many of us, we like to cling to certainty. I want to be certain about something. Um, but the reality of it is, when are you ever certain about something? You know, you go to buy a car. Are you really certain that mm. it's the best car mm. that it's going to last? Mm. Like, you can't really be certain. Mm. Like, you know, you, you just you just kind of you got to go out go on, on a limb. You know, you do some research, you you speculate, but then at the end of the day, you got to make a decision. That, that's why you buy the extended warranty. 
Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're one of those people, um, uh, but uh, but the thing of it is, is it's like here, it's like I don't know. There's people that will claim certainty mm-hmm. on a lot of this stuff, and I, I just think that again, um, we we walk by faith and not by sight. And we talked about this last week. It's like we we walk by faith in God, not an understanding of everything. Mm. And and if we had it all laid out to us. And if, if it was like, okay, here's exactly how Jesus is going to return, when, where, how, what it's going to look like, here's all the specifics, then what faith does it take? Everybody's going to be ready the day before. Yeah. <laughs> His enemies would have all the information they would need to stop people from going there. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, like, oh, travel to this particular country for uh, unknown reason has been banned. And Everybody gets a ticket. <laughs> I was going to say, you, as you're talking, I'm thinking of books, and as you laid it out, Jude, if, if everything is put out there in front of us, all predetermined, then we're just like in 1984, a brave new world. It's, it's, it's just the way it is. You know, everything was laid out for you. This is the way it goes. But it isn't that way. There isn't, as Judas said, in my mind, there isn't that certainty that everybody craves to have certainty enough this is just not there the certainty is certainty is this that we're all going to die at least on this earth and are we prepared for that as we talk about in some of these verses and some of the stories that we've read are we ready because when the sleep comes in the middle of the night when when jesus comes back Nobody knows that time, as he said. Nobody knows. Only the Father knows. We, we don't know that time. Jesus don't even know that time. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's like, what he said. Are yeah, we ready? You don't even know it. Are we ready? Is, is our business taken care of? In what business is he talking about? Are, are our souls ready for Jesus to come back, as you just said, and take his faithful? That's the question. Yeah. I'm certain he's coming back. Yeah. That, there's don't know a certainty. Where. Yeah. I mean, it could don't be another. Yeah. Don't know where. Don't know how. Don't know a lot of the details of it, but I'm certain that he is coming back. I, I read this. Uh, there was this, uh, I don't know where it was, in a restaurant. We were in Ireland somewhere, and I copied it down, and it said, you know, for people who want to be certain or serious, it said, don't take life too seriously. Nobody gets out alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Maybe you've seen I've never saw that. I go, yeah. okay, that's, that's so true. <laughs> well, like you said, I mean, that's the one thing we can be certain about is that we all will die one day, right? And so uh, when that day comes... Are we ready? Um, and are we moving forward with, uh, with life, not just sitting there? And so we do know he's coming back. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I, these guys thought it was imminent, right? Like they didn't know. They thought maybe, maybe in another month or two he'll be back. <laughs> like like they, they didn't know. They're like, like, oh, he's coming back? Okay, great. When's he coming back? I mean... Here we are 2,000 years later. But I mean, at that time, you know, and, and think about the disillusionment that, that could have brought for them too. Yeah. Thinking that like, oh, it's been a year already. It's been two years. It's been three. It's been 10 years. Mm-hmm. And people are dying now because of their faith in this. And he hasn't come back yet. Like, what's he waiting for? You know, I mean. But on the other hand, you mentioned delu- uh, you know, disillusionment. We still have the faith today. We still have Jesus Christ exactly. today, even in spite of the fact that they may have been, some people may have been delusion. The faith is carried on. It's still here. The, 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 the acts that started here that we're reading about, we're, we're carrying that on. We're part of carrying that on. So it's, it's still going. There's people that we believe, we know that this is going to happen. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's growing. Um, and, uh, and it'll continue to grow. And, and whenever persecution comes, it makes it grow even more. But that's the thing is it's like at the time, they didn't know 
when it was going to be. I mean, they, they thought they would see it in their lifetime. I mean, there was that assumption because of uh, of what Jesus said to John, you know, and and so there's this assumption it, it's going to be soon. And, and it's, here we are 2,000 years later, and it's like, well, if you think of the total age of the earth, maybe that's the timeline he, you know, they're looking at when they're saying it's coming soon, like in comparative to how long has gone by. Mm-hmm. And if it were to happen, like even, you know, soon, like, like, <laughs> it's, what is your definition of soon is really what it is. Yeah, God's timeline is uh, yeah, a little yeah. different than exactly. ours being on this earth for, if we think, know, if we think of time, and let's say the time that we're, it's, it's infinitesimal, the time that we're on earth here. It's, 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 a, it's a speck. Not it's even. God's mercy yeah. that he doesn't come back now. It's his mercy because once he comes back, it's kind of game over, yeah. you know? But while he's not here in the physical present, um, then we still have work to do, right? Of sharing our faith with other people and, uh, and doing what we can to, to be a light, to be a witness, to... Like uh, like we're talking about with these disciples, the purpose of the disciples was what was to uh, to yeah well it's, it's to join as a witness of Jesus' resurrection, you know, and that's what we're doing now. We're we're here doing this job, this task before us. So as long as he delays, we have time. Once he comes back, it's kind of game over. So so again, that's where you know I, I'm fine either way. Um, I know some people, they're like, oh, I can't wait till Jesus comes back, and maybe we'll see it within our lifetime. Yeah, maybe. That'd be great. I'd love to. I mean, hey, how awesome would that be? But I don't know. I don't have any assumption that that's going to be, that's what's going to happen. I mean. Oh, I know Johnny. He'd be like, I can't wait. Well, can't he, he wait. was like that. He was like that for a while. But but we talked about that, and I exp- expressed that view to him. And he's like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Because there's a lot of people here that I love and care about that are still far from God. And if Jesus came back now, then... Then it's too late. So yeah, it's better that he that he holds off. And so, um, you know, I, I grew up in a in a mentality. Everybody was trying to predict when he was coming back. Um, the year two thousand was always a hot date. They're like, oh, it's going to be before that, sometime before that. And I mean, there was a book written in nineteen eighty six, nineteen eighty seven, somewhere in there. Eighty eight reasons why Christ will return in nineteen eighty eight. I remember it. I remember they had the exact date and all this stuff and feast of trumpets and all this, you know, baloney. And then he didn't come obviously then then the guy made a revised book and said oh this is why i messed up but here's all the next dates that he's he maybe will come back on the 99 reasons why he'll come in 1999 yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 yet here we are he just still. dust off the old book 11 more reasons yeah, yeah. <laughs> another reason another reason i bet you if you read through all 88 reasons you'd find some that are like almost saying the same thing well i you know i i, I don't know but here's here's the thing though here's the thing though with with things like that that book specifically, and again, probably nobody knows that book other than myself uh, at this point in time because it's so many years ago. But um, a lot of people got very interested in salvation and faith as a result of that book because of like what Lenny said. If we knew, if it was all spelled out, we'd all wait to the last minute. We get right with God and be like, "Beat me up, Scotty!" Yep. Right. But then what happens? And don't got the power. What happens when it doesn't happen though? Yeah. You're like, ah, all that was for nothing. Yep. It's like, yep. really? What was it all for nothing? Yep. It's like it wasn't for nothing. Yep. Like you're getting closer to God. Like your motivation was all jacked up. That's the problem. Your motivation was simply, okay, I better get my life together because you know I only got a few more days left. And 
and the reality of it is that's why I don't like that stuff really that much. It's like, I, you know, I don't want you to put a date on it because then it's like, okay, th then people are coming to faith in Christ and all this stuff for the wrong reason. And then when it passes, then they're like, ah, you know what? It's like, you remember the whole Mayan calendar or stuff like that? What was it 2012? And like, people were like, oh, this is the end of the world. Cause you know, this, the Mayans predicted this. I mean, thinking like the Mayans didn't know nothing, obviously they didn't know anything, but, um, but that's the thing. It's like, people get all like, oh, I better, better get my life right because we don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen on my way home today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like, get your life right now. Just stop. The right thing to do. Yeah. Right. Stop worrying about it. Maybe that's why they stopped casting lots. Like, he loves me. He loves me not. Right? He loves me. He loves me not. Maybe it was a flower. <laughs> Joseph Matthias. Joseph Matthias. Joseph Matthias. Matthias, you're in. <laughs> oh, my God. Guys, thank you. Uh, so, yeah. Anyhow, on that note, let's wrap things up here. Uh, we'll pick back up next week uh, with our discussion of Acts. Hopefully, we can stay a little bit more on the rails next week. And, uh, uh, but, yeah, we're reading... Uh, Acts 1 through 7. Um, so pick back up next week. Peace out. Peace out. Well, we hope that you enjoyed our discussion today on the Thriving in the Word podcast. We invite you to leave a rating or a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Also consider sharing it on social media. We can't wait to be back together with you at the Thriving in the Word podcast. <laughs>